You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Another possible cyber incident in Ukraine's power grid last Saturday remains under investigation. Flashpoint looks at the shadow broker's alleged equation group code and sees a rogue insider behind the leak. WordPress sites are receiving a lot of brute-forcing attempts. New spam and other attack techniques are evading volumetric detection. Mirai is sniffing for new IoT bots. Russian crooks skim ad revenue with the methbot scam. Vossener cyber arms control remains controversial. And informed speculation suggests the shadow brokers and Bocephus Cletus are, da, effectively the same people. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, December 20th, 2016. Many of you will recall that a year ago this month, the power grid in eastern Ukraine was taken down by a complex cyber attack. It involved phishing that installed black energy and kill disk malware to facilitate access to substation controls, followed by telephonic denial of service designed to impede response and recovery. This Saturday, Ukraine again experienced an electrical outage, this one on the north side of Kyiv and in adjacent districts. Ukanergo, the national power company, said the interruption was caused by an external influence. Investigation continues and is focused on failure of automation control. The entire incident was remediated rapidly with power restored within 30 minutes and a complete recovery in just over an hour. Last year's attack was widely attributed to a combination of Russian criminal and state actors, but there's so far no word on who was responsible for Saturday's disruption or on how it was achieved. Flashpoint has published its close look at the shadow broker's leak of equation group code. The security company concludes with medium confidence that it was an inside job. They say the data's structure looks like something from an NSA internal code repository, one accessible to contractors and employees. That is, they think it unlikely that the agency was hacked from the outside. They also think that one of the more widely believed early theories about the source of compromise, that some operators carelessly left the code exposed on a staging server, is also unlikely. You can see the report on Flashpoint's blog, flashpoint-intel.com. WordPress vulnerabilities may have been overestimated, as source code analysis shop RIPS noted last week, but some bad actors are paying them a lot of attention nonetheless. Over the past three weeks, the security shop WordFence has observed 1.6 million brute force attempts daily against WordPress sites. About a sixth of these attacks originate from a single Ukrainian ISP.
Cisco's Talos unit warns of a hailstorm spam. It evades detection by sending low volumes of spam from a large number of IP addresses. Perimeter X observes a similar technique used in botnet-driven brute force attacks, which avoid tripping volumetric warnings by using a very large number of bots. New Star's study of DDoS growth by 2016 is out. They find, not surprisingly, that growth was explosive and it's likely to be fueled by the commodification of attack tools that's proceeding apace. The most famous of those black market commodities, the Mirai bot-herding malware, is, according to the Sands Institute Internet Storm Center, prowling the wild, seeking the ruin of IoT devices exposed at port 6789. For more on DDoS attacks and where we can expect things to go in 2017, we checked in with Dave Larson. He's the COO and CTO at Carrero Network Security, and he tells us where the DDoS arms race stands. At the moment, it's the attackers have the upper hand because they have this uh, new tool uh, in these growing IoT botnets that they can leverage, and that tool is not going to be quickly remediated. Uh, It's all well and good for uh, one of the Chinese manufacturers of the DVRs and CCTV cameras associated with initial incursions to issue a recall. That doesn't mean that the products will actually be recalled. And means, you know, there are IoT devices that are in place, in utilization, and very rarely touched, patched, updated, or monitored by the end users who use them. So for a little while at least, I think this weapon remains in place. Uh, The good news is that now everyone is aware of the danger. Uh, And at the very first stage, I think you're going to see significant more uh, attention paid to setting up devices without default passwords. Uh, The good news on the Dyn attack is that it took down Twitter and Okta and Reddit and made it onto the mainstream news for that entire day, which means even the average person is aware of it now and that passwords are probably something that you should have, uh, you know, put some thought into. So I think in one respect, the attack itself has probably diminished the future capacity and scale of these attacks because people are going to take proper practice and procedures to lock things down. Uh, But uh, I think it's also going to set the tone for Internet service providers to understand that they're going to have to be uh, involved in uh, the remediation of the problem. It's very, very difficult uh, remotely across the world to deal with uh, these engines that exist on someone else's access network. Uh, But it is quite straightforward for a service provider to be able to monitor their own access network, notice when a device is infected, and then blacklist it off of the network so that it can't cause further damage, and then get the attention of their subscriber to go and do the remediation. If that involves sending the product back on a recall or just reflashing it to factory defaults and giving it a good uh, uh, password. But if we follow all of those procedures, then this, this will be... We'll, we'll be better off a year from now than we are today. That's Dave Larson from Carrero Network Security. According to security researchers at White Ops, Russian criminals are exploiting ad networks in the MethBot scam, diverting between 3 and $6 million a day from U.S. advertisers. The latest version of the Vossener Cyber Arms Export Controls has still not found consensus approval from policy mavens and the security industry. Vulnerability researchers continue to believe that it will unreasonably restrict and possibly criminalize legitimate and essential security work. 
The U.S. continues to mull its response to the ways in which it's convinced Russian intelligence services inserted themselves into the now-concluded presidential election. The electors have met, and Donald Trump is now formally and officially the president-elect. That Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear were in U.S. political party networks seems established with a clear preponderance of evidence. Who actually gave WikiLeaks the damaging DNC emails is far less clear. And finally, to return to the Shadow Brokers, the well-known information security researcher who goes by the name of The Grug, offers an interesting and wide-ranging cultural and linguistic close reading of the communications surrounding their equation group leak. He describes analyzing those communications, especially those from the newest cutout, Bocephus Cletus, as being, quote, like semiotics and lit crit on steroids, end quote. And we're not saying he's wrong. If the shadow brokers wrote like a lazy screenwriter's approximation of Boris Badenov, Mr. Cletus comes across as that same lazy screenwriter's impersonation of a hillbilly, less credible than Jed Clampett or Ernest T. Bass at their hee-haw worst. References to Sun People and the Deep State touch the rhetoric of the fringier alt-right and alt-left. Other allusions pay homage to people ranging from Hank Williams Jr. to Rage Against the Machine to the Dukes of Hazard and their nemesis, Boss Hogg. The Grug suggests the public-facing activities of the Shadow Brokers, Fancy Bear and Bocephus Cletus, represent a coordinated Russian campaign providing at least some misdirection for influence operations directed against the U.S. elections. Take a look at the Grug stuff. He can be found at medium.com slash at the Grug. That's G-R-U-G-Q. And enjoy. Maybe even earn a credit hour in cultural studies. We'll leave the Grug the last word. Quote, These guys are hilarious, but they also operate like an intelligence agency. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
Joining me once again is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and also director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Uh, Jonathan, uh, I saw a recently uh, released paper uh, talking about homomorphic encryption, which is something you and I have talked about on the show before. Uh, but this paper is talking about how perhaps there have been some breakthroughs that could make homomorphic encryption more practical. Why don't you start off by just giving us a quick review on homomorphic encryption? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, so normally when we encrypt stuff using public key encryption, uh, you transform a message into a completely unintelligible blob that only the holder of the secret key can decrypt. And what fully homomorphic encryption allows you to do is uh, actually allow somebody who doesn't have the private key and can't decrypt to still perform computations on the encrypted data. So basically that means you can have a user encrypting some data and then some third party uh, doing a computation uh, an encrypted computation on that data and then forwarding that data along either back to the client or to somebody else who can decrypt and get the result. And this is something that's been a long-standing goal uh, for cryptography since the late 1970s and uh, really a breakthrough was made about a decade ago now uh, showing that this could even be done at all. And, and so tell us about this uh, recent research that uh, might make it more practical. So there was some recent workout that showed how to uh, improve the efficiency of uh, fully homomorphic encryption by about a factor of 10. And uh, this is really quite amazing because, uh, like I said, for decades, people were not even sure that fully homomorphic encryption was possible. And then since the time that uh, it was discovered, there's been a sequence of improvements in the efficiency of, of fully homomorphic encryption. And people are hoping that it will get to the point where one day it will, in fact, be practical. So when we'd spoken previously about homomorphic encryption, we'd, you'd, you'd told us about how it was, wasn't really practical uh, for, for general use. It was really in the experimental phases. And so if this research shows that it could be uh, 10 times faster than it was, does that put it in the realm of being something that's usable? Well, the work is really great. I mean, the work is giving a, a factor of 10 improvement over uh, the previous best results. Uh, and like I said earlier, uh, there's been a lot of work in improving the efficiency of fully homomorphic encryption since it was uh, invented. Uh, unfortunately, we're still a little bit far from the point of where it's going to be practical. Uh, basically, we started out when it was invented uh, with being about 10 to the 8 times slower than a native computation. And it's been improved uh, by several orders of magnitude since then, but it's still about uh, uh, 10,000 or so times slower than a regular unencrypted computation. So researchers are definitely making progress, and this is uh, certainly work in the right direction, but we still have a ways to go before we're going to see it deployed in the real world, I think. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. By the way, the title of the paper that we are discussing is Faster Fully Homomorphic Encryption, Bootstrapping in Less Than 0.1 Seconds. The authors are Ilaria Chilati, Nicholas Gama, Maria Georgieva, and Malika Izabekene. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. 
We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire.